Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Boy, a lot going on. Uh, look, is it tax-free weekend this weekend or is that next weekend? I'm hearing it's this weekend. I'll get a confirmation in just a minute. The school is about to be in full swing. There's no question. And there's a lot of, there's a lot more talk about back to school this year than I think in previous years for a lot of good reason. We're going to get into that and some updates from other parts of the state and work that we've been doing on faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. You know, not only is our work at the state capitol, but in local issues that come up, we'll get involved, uh, we'll go testify, we'll help local people out, and we've got a big update from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so you're going to want to stay on to hear that in the second segment of the show. But the first segment of the show, we want to jump right into this, because if you're new to the show or if you're familiar with the show, you know we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom as it relates to the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And so in case you weren't aware, the legislative session is right around the corner. I mean, bills can start being filed in November, and the session is going to start in January. What that's going to look like, I have no idea, because I haven't been to the Capitol in about three months. That's because they're really not letting anyone into the Capitol. But I'm sure we'll figure it out come the first or second week of January. And someone who's going to be right in the middle of that is our guest today. Senator Angela Paxton is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. She represents Texas Senate District 8, which is up in the Collin County area, north of Dallas, uh, McKinney, Plano, Frisco, a lot of great areas up in Senate District 8. And she, though, we want to talk a little bit about Senator Paxton in just a minute because she's still in her first term, so to speak. And a lot of people know her because she is the wife of our Attorney General, Ken Paxton. But on her own, she's made quite a name for herself. Senator Paxton, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Jonathan, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and connect with all of the people that we have so much in common with that really do care about faith and family and freedom. Well, there's no question that that's important to you as well. You're really in the second half, if you will, of your first term. Uh, Texas senators are elected to four-year terms. Senator Paxton was elected in, I guess, uh, was in 2018, then sworn in in 19 for her first session. I want to talk a little bit, Senator Paxton, though, about your background because it's really important with what's going on right now. A lot of times people will think about elected officials. They'll think about lawyers and, and things of that nature, and they forget that a lot of elected officials come from a variety variety of backgrounds. So maybe it's it's legal or business, but there are a lot of people that are former educators like yourself. And, uh, you know, the, the show that we, the radio show that we broadcast from does uh, broadcast Baylor Athletics. So I see you're an undergraduate uh, holder, excuse me, um, graduate of Baylor University, but also from close to where I'm from, University of Houston Clear Lake, where you got your master's degree. But a lot of that work led to your work in education as an educator and also as a school counselor. Talk to us a little bit about those experiences in your professional career before you got into elected office. Well, thank you, um, Jonathan. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I chose uh, the career of education. I was a high school uh, math and physics teacher for most of my career, and then I was also a school counselor uh, kind of for the last seven years of that time, and I taught actually in public school, I taught in private school, and we homeschooled. So I, I have a background in uh, education as a professional educator in multiple settings like that, but also as a parent, we homeschooled, we public schooled, we private schooled our kids. So, you know, one of the things about that was that we were it mattered to us to be working on what was best for each of our kids. 
It's interesting. We're talking with Senator Angela Paxton, who represents Texas Senate District 8 up in the North Texas area. That's really kind of the full gamut, right? Private school, public school, and homeschool. And I bet you a lot of parents have felt like they've been through all three in the past several months. Well, they really have. And, you know, it's part of what, um, actually, I, you know, I'm going to step back for just a second because you talked about the variety of backgrounds in the in the legislature. And this is part of the richness of the way our system is set up, that we have a citizen legislature in Texas. We're only in session, in regular session anyway, 140 days every other year. Um, that's because it's built around, you know, the, the members of the legislature who are representing their constituents are down there. It's not a full-time um, endeavor for them. The idea is they live in their community. They work yeah, in their community. That's right. And then they live under those things as they come back. But we don't really have very many educators in the Texas legislature there are really only three that I'm aware of, at least in the Senate, but I have the, I have the most education experience of anyone um, that we've had elected in a long time. I'm the first educator elected in over 20 years in the Texas Senate. But That, that might be something we put on social media later. That's an interesting well, point, you know, Senator Paxson. Especially given, uh, you know, the last session we had the biggest reform package in education that we've had in decades. And so to be part of that as an educator is a big deal to me. I also have a daughter who is a teacher and a daughter who's studying to be a teacher. So, in fact, I'm supposed to go help one of the daughters fix her classroom uh, this week. And this kind of gets into what you were talking about. I mean, this is the most unusual back-to-school season we've probably ever experienced in Texas or in the United States. Well, Senator, we're talking with Senator Angela Paxton, who is, um, represents Texas Senate District 8 up in the North Texas area. And I'm really glad that you touched on some of that, Senator Paxton, because I think a lot of times people don't appreciate uh, a lot of experience that elected officials, particularly at the state level, bring to the state legislature. And that's why it can be very important. And in particular for you, right, the education issue, so much of what happens at the legislature is connected to education. Uh, I don't want to quote as if I know the actual percentage of the budget budget that deals with education, but it's pretty significant, right? And so you think about regulatory issues and think about funding issues. I mean, we have over 1,200 public school districts in the state of Texas, uh, close to 6 million students. I mean, that's a lot to deal with. And so it's really valuable that you bring that experience to the table and not just the education side, but the other side, the school counseling side to be in touch with, you know, what it's like for a child and a student to go through that process and being mindful of that. Well, it, it is. And again, that's, I just think part of the beauty of our system, um, recognizing that no one's an expert in anything, but everyone brings their own expertise. And so, you know, we come together, we collaborate, we listen to, uh, one another. We listen to the experiences that, that people bring from their particular districts and different parts of the state and all of that. So it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a beautiful thing, really, when it's when it's working at its best. But, you know, you're right about this year. Um, I think parents are feeling like they've they've all gone through all of those um, particular experiences and teachers, too. So much dramatic change that all started in really in March of, um, of last year. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I love to remind people about is that the, the state has a, a duty, a constitutional obligation to provide for the education of our students, of our, of our kids in Texas, and a public system of education. And so as you look at that, 
you know, what we're trying to do, obviously, you know, that has its roots in you want an educated citizenry that can make intelligent decisions to self-govern. You also want people that have skills and knowledge of things so that they can provide for their own families and contribute to society and, and be contributing taxpayers and all of that. But in a lot of ways, you kind of boil it down to we talk about student achievement. And the two big drivers of student achievement are great teachers and engaged parents. And where we are in education right now is, I think, a critical point in how we think about what that takes for kids to achieve. Look, I I couldn't agree more. So engaged right now, right? I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Texas Senator Angela Paxson, who represents Texas Senate District 8. I mean, there's so much discussion going on right now. And for many of us, not just in education, but thinking about how we live our lives differently um, as it relates to work, as it relates to family, how we really kind of adapt to trying to really put a lot of focus on safety, but not continuing to extend our lives being altered or sheltered inside so much, but trying to adjust to what things are going to look like for a little bit. And, um, and they're important things to happen. I mean, they're important things that relate to education and their development for students. And so I want to transition to that a little bit. I mean, I know, I imagine you've been in a lot of conversations and I know you got a lot of big school districts and schools in your district, but across the state, right? A lot of discussions going on about reopening of schools. I know that your, you know, your husband, our attorney general, has put letters out giving guidance on these type of issues. We've seen things from um, our governor. We've even seen Mike Morath been a lot in the discussion from the guidelines that Texas education agencies put out. As a matter of fact, I picked up on one of his quotes, and he says, our objective is to get as many students, many kids as possible on campus as long as it is safe. But we know on-campus instruction is really the best instructional setting for the vast majority of our students. Please don't feel compelled to use this transition period unless your local conditions deem it necessary, and some local conditions do deem it. But there's a lot of discussion going on about how we keep students safe, but also how we meet needs of parents. Some parents want to go back to school on campus. Some don't. Some don't have the facilities to do that. Some have to work. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you've been involved in this conversation lately. You know, all of those things, it, it's, it's this convergence of so many different complicated issues, really, because the mechanics of getting kids back in school and following the, the CDC guidelines of social distancing and everything, I mean, it, it's complicated. But the upside of that is that forces smaller class sizes, which sure. is directly linked with increased student achievement. So there are, there are some some great intersections that I think should be able to help if we can get everybody back. And, and it really is so important that we do get um, kids back in school. I think everyone agrees with uh, what you referenced from uh, the commissioner that in person is what everyone knows is most effective. And, uh, you know, there's also a statement from the American Academy of Pediatrics that they release and they strongly advocate that all policy considerations for the coming school year should start with a goal of having students physically present in school. And you're right wow. there. Uh, when you look at families, you know, some families uh, really, they, they don't have the, the ability to actually continue working in their jobs. They can't work from home. They can't have their kids at home and work. And so one of the, one of the really big, things that we see in this is just how intricately our workforce and our system of education 
are linked. We've always thought about so true. how important it is for kids to get a good education so they can be part of the workforce. But I think what we're seeing now is how much we have relied on um, education as childcare, which matters even more the younger the kids are. No, it's a good point. And we're talking with Senator Angela Paxson, who represents Senate District 8 in the North Texas area. The, the other side or another dimension of this, so to speak, Senator Paxson, you touched up on this as the homeschooling. Then you've got families who are thinking, you know what? Maybe we can homeschool, right? Maybe uh, one of the parents can stay home or the kids are old enough, whatever the case may be. You know, I, I know that's, you know, has, has happened in my family. And it's interesting because kids can sometimes learn differently. So some of them, it's a little bit easier for them to transition to a home model, while other kids may not. And so I imagine you're also seeing, and that's what I'm hearing from my good friend Tim Lambert, there's now a lot more kids that are deciding, you know what, we can homeschool. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Here's the thing. When people choose something, this is human nature. When people choose something, they are more invested in making it be successful. And making, you know, in, in making that choice work out well. And so what we have right now is a situation where schools are acknowledging and recognizing that parents want different things. Not every parent is the same. Not every kid is the same. And so, I mean, I think we've all seen our public schools really step up and recognize the power of giving parents options yeah. because that will ultimately create a better success platform for everyone because when when a parent chooses i chose to send my kid back then they're invested in making that work i chose to keep my student at home well now they're they're invested in making that work because they chose it it wasn't forced on them and tim and i have had some conversations uh, about the great opportunity that this is for people as literally i mean everyone homeschooled uh last <laughs> right. spring everyone homeschooled last spring and so there were many families, I've talked to some of them myself, that their students really thrived in that. And they would never have even, you know, they wouldn't have just tried it uh, on their own, but they watched their student really flourish in that situation. And one of the things that Tim and I talked about early on was the opportunity for them to provide all Texas parents with the resources that what they know about best practices for homeschooling so that all of these parents who were suddenly thrust into homeschooling didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Well, look, I, no, I, I think that's great. And, you know, um, one of the, that's one of the reasons why. And before I say this, if you're watching on social media, if you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, share this post. We've got, a, you know, we've got about uh, a second segment and just a little bit more time with Senator Angela Paxson. So share this post. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. We want to get this message out as much as possible. We want to keep multiplying it. Senator Paxson, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning. And look, because we're we're family people. Uh, and, and I know you and, and the the general, your children are older, but, you know, we probably don't we probably feel like we don't ever stop being parents, so to speak. Tell us about you said you one of your daughters is getting ready. She's setting up her classroom. What a great experience, you know, and, and I, we've talked a lot about this because we have we want to make sure religious schools and all that, that they can open, that they like you said, they continue to be able to have that choice for parents and so that moment and that experience, I know for a lot of teachers, if not all of them, setting up that classroom, boy, that's really special. Well, it, it is. And, and I'll, I'll say this about Maddie, too. She, she had a really unusual first year of teaching. So she actually uh, graduated from Texas A&M last December and got married the following week. She her, and her husband, who was in the Corps, he's in the Army, 
they're stationed in Colleen at uh, Fort Hood. And so, you know, because I got married in December, it was the middle of the school year. And she actually took her job and started teaching in February. So her, she actually, you know, goes to school the first two weeks, then there's spring break, and then they never went back to campus. Ooh, yeah. so, so she went immediately from, you know, an in-person situation to an online virtual situation. And I know a lot of your listeners have a similar uh, dynamic in their families. She was teaching uh, children who are dyslexic. So, you know, that's a, and, and I've, I've talked to many, many parents who do have students that have uh, special needs. Right. And this has been particularly difficult in many, many ways for those families because, you know, the school experience for their children is more than just school, more than just education and, and knowledge and skills. And, and it was, um, it, you know, it's a challenging thing, but Maddie talked about that, how hard it was really to do the the type of teaching that she was tasked with doing with her students in a virtual kind of environment. So she's been very excited about getting back, but but she really is decorating her classroom for the first time, and we're going to do that this weekend. But it is pretty exciting. That is exciting. Well, and I appreciate you sharing that with us, too, because I think that, you know, a lot of people forget about some of the special needs. And, you know, it's interesting. Private schools do provide some of those accommodations, but a lot of parents send their kids to public schools, too, because sometimes there can be a little bit more of that specialization or some kids are at home because the parents can feel like they can connect more. And so I I think that's a good point. We're hearing it talked about a lot and we don't want to overlook that in the value of that. I want to turn uh, in our last bit of time here with you about our policy forum coming up on September 18th and 19th. We're so excited to have you a part of it. You know, we're we're still fine-tuning what some of the topics are and how we're going to approach some different issues, but there's no question that the education issue is going to be a big part of what we talk about. We're going to be in the middle, really, or the beginning of school starting, and what that's going to look like in, in four or five weeks, six weeks could be different. We'll see, uh, but certainly it's going to be a lot of interest. That's on September 18th and 19th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, go to txvalues.org, and you can hear Senator Angela Paxton. This is an in-person event. We're going to have a live stream option. It's going to be at Great Hills Baptist Church in the Central Texas area. But Senator Paxton, we're excited about having you a part of our annual policy forum on September 18th and 19th this year. Well, I'm thrilled about uh, the opportunity to be part of anything, really, that Texas Values is is engaged in. I, I, I really want to take a moment to express my thanks to you and your team for the support that you do provide for us during the legislature. You know, we're, we're always considering so much legislation. It really helps to have people that you trust and that you know and that have expertise to do research and pull things together to help support the things that we all care about. Okay, ding, ding again. I'm going to put a bell in the radio studio. That's another social media post we might have to turn into. No, look, I, I didn't. And look, we didn't ask Senator Paxton to say that. Those are authentic words, and we really appreciate it. But it's, Senator Paxton, it's also really a privilege of us to be able to work along legislators that lead on these issues because we know how much you care about it. Then we bring what we bring to the table. But we couldn't do it without really you and your team opening the door to that and having faith in some of the things that we do. I was at an event, as a matter of fact, earlier this week. I might have a minute to touch on that um, in just a bit. But um, a National Association of Christian Lawmakers, it's a new entity that Tom Oliverson, Representative Oliverson's involved in. Senator Brian Hughes was there. 
And it was great to interact with them, though, you know, to continue to build that personal relationship. And we look to continue to do that with you, with Center Paxson. Obviously, we visit a lot with members of your team and also the generals team. And so we'll look forward to continuing to do that. And we'll look forward to having you speak at our policy forum in September 18th and 19th here in the central Texas area. And so and I just want to say, too, you know, we also pray for elected officials, too. So know, Senator Paxson, that we'll be praying for you and your team. We know you've got a very demanding position and we're just excited and, and, like I said, privileged to be a part and a small part in the work that you do. It's an honor to do. I, you know, having been a teacher all of those years, I, I never really – this wasn't on my bucket list to do. It, it kind of happened in a way I wouldn't have expected. But what an honor to be able to take my background and experience that God created in my path to help families in Texas um, and – and just, you know, to use that for the glory of God, to help people, um, and to work with great people like you guys. Okay. Well, look, and I appreciate that, you know, without standing together in prayers, uh, or I'll say with that, we certainly can do what God's will is. Thank you, Senator Angela Paxson, for being a guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, great to have Senator Paxton. And I mean, look, I learned more about her just in the interview. We we do prep for this. We talk to our elected officials and our guests ahead of time. But sometimes new things come up. And so it was great to get some of that insight. And uh, we might need to touch on that a little bit more. But we've only got about four minutes left. And I want to touch on some other things that happened this week because they're important. And guess what? They deal with education. Wow, it's just a growing field. And that's why we're excited to have some of the members of our team we do, including our new director of policy, Jonathan Covey, who is in the studio with me. And Mr. Covey, because we say that a lot because, you know, we're both Jonathans. <laughs> Am I right? Our birthday's on the same day? Birthday's on the same day. I don't remember that in the interview. Maybe I missed that. that Forgot that, to mention that. Yeah, we that might have been like, let's skip all the other interviews. Sign him up. Anyway, so this week, you and Mary Elizabeth Castle from our team, and really virtually, a lot of members of our team were there. You were on the ground in Carroll ISD, which is in the South Lake, Grapevine, Colleyville area. Tell us what was going on, and then we'll get into a little bit more details about what happened. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. So, Carol ISD has been busy. They met on Monday and heard over three hours of testimony from over, I'd say, over 100 people on what they call a uh, cultural competence plan. And what this really is, is it's a long 34-page document that goes into excruciating detail on how uh, the school plans to increase the presence of LGBT groups, of curriculum, uh, special protections over the course of the next five years. And for us, it's especially concerning concerning that they're choosing for this to be their focus right now in light of the difficulties prevent, presided in getting uh, kids back to school, uh, the, the difficulties that the coronavirus sets up, and it sort of feels like they're trying to take advantage of the situation and get a uh, political agenda passed. Uh, it's probably more than it seems like, right? They probably <laughs> are. But you're being very gracious. And if you're wondering why we still have headphones on, even though we're on Facebook Live, we simultaneously record our radio show while we're doing it Facebook Live. So if we want you to share this post, get it out to people. But if you're in the car on Saturday from noon or you're traveling, a lot of people are still traveling. We're doing some traveling still this summer. I mean, probably buckling down a little bit more, getting ready for school. But it's on one. I got to look behind the sign here. 1120 a.m. <laughs> and 100.1 FM in the central Texas area. But we were on the ground in Carroll ISD, you and Mary Elizabeth. 
meeting with people, concerned parents, concerned uh, citizens in the area, and it was teed up for a vote. I mean, there was a vote, and the expectation was very short notice as all this unraveled in the public hearing, which we were part of providing public testimony against this LGBT plan, 30 pages or so long, but it was teed up to vote to implement it. I mean, this was ready for adoption, and it was going to be done, but it didn't work out that way. No, it didn't. Uh, We testified in opposition along with a lot of other parents, a lot of other members of the community. Um, And and look, there were a lot of concerns over how this plan threatens religious liberty of students who hold Christian values, how it pits students against each other, how it would cause division and infighting. And a lot of people sort of viewed it as a pre-packaged political plan, but the result was that the board was unable to secure the votes that they needed uh, immediately to adopt the plan. And instead, they voted kind of a symbolic vote, five to two, to receive and simply take the plan under further consideration. They also expressed concerns about wanting to hear you know, more about the uh, a plan from the workshops and, and getting the community more feedback involved as well. Well, I didn't provide testimony, <laughs> okay? I watched um, the discussion, and actually, I don't even know if I watched or listened to some of the testimony because I was on my way packing and trying to get make um, arrangements arrangements to get out of town. But it was once I watched it, because y'all already testified, man, it was a mess. And it was clear that elected officials were not aware of what they were supposed to be doing. And I think there was some dishonesty on part of people that were pushing this. Um, and as a result of that, thank God, I mean, we were in prayer at one point, like we, we've done our part, let's just pray. <laughs> Things turned around and we got a little breather, a little reprieve. So this issue is taken up for more study. It, it has adoption and implementation has been delayed. It's legitimate to say that, but we got to keep the pressure on a Carolina and we really only got about 15 seconds left. That's my fault, Covey. But wrap this up for us. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue to keep the pressure on. Uh, some of the things they tried to focus on were LGBT things, uh, uh, focus groups, things like that. And we were able to stop that to make sure that we were, uh, to make sure that we put in the, uh, the viewpoints for uh, religious freedom. And we believe that as going forward, we're going to be able to continue to be involved, continue to be there, and to be able to be on the ground watching for you for religious freedom. The key is, it's not over. Your voice still matters. Your voice did make a difference this week, and we can have more of that if you'll continue to engage. TXValues.org. Check this issue and others. If you care about the work we do, make a tax-deductible donation today also to TXValues.org so we continue to protect faith, family, and freedom. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.